Good morning, beautiful people. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Jill Engels, practitioner with the Center for Spiritual Living White Rock. We are an inclusive learning center of practical spirituality based in Vancouver, Lower Mainland, BC, Canada. We create sacred opportunities for personal empowerment and collective transformation through wholehearted experiences of universal truth and spirit. Wherever you are on your path, whether you are soaring or struggling, there is a place here for you. I am honored to live on the traditional ancestral and unceded territory of the Coast Salish First Nations, including Kwatlin, Semiamu, Katsi, Stolo, Wasainak. We thank the First Nations who continue to live on these lands and care for them, along with the waters and all that is above and below. I honor them. So let's just anchor our time together and I invite you to let go, just let go of everything and just rest in this moment. And I recognize the one source, the one power, the one presence that is present here right now. This love that guides us through each day, every moment. And I know that this love, this divine presence is in each and every person each and every person that is here today and beyond these screens out into the world. I know that we are a committee, a community that envisions a world that naturally expresses love. And that's what it is all about, my friends, this love. This love that guides each one of us to choose and express this love in our words, in our thoughts, in our actions. Gathered together to learn, to enjoy, to express, to be present, to be present in this love that we are. So I am grateful for this beautiful community, this beautiful teaching, this wonderful knowing that love expresses naturally through all, through all life and through all things. So I give thanks and I celebrate this truth, the one truth, as I release these words to the law of mind, knowing that it is unfolding beautifully. And so it is. And today, I'm so happy to welcome Nathan as well. Nathan is a speaker and recording artist based in Vancouver. He believes that his calling in this life is to encourage people to live big lives, one small step at a time through his engaging talks and his heart-centered music making. His CDs, Little by Little and Yes, are celebrations of life and they are wonderful. Transformation, evolution, and the oneness of humanity delivered in a variety of popular music styles. Nathan authors 
honors his calling by speaking and performing internationally at conferences, concerts, retreats, and churches, presenting his music, stories, and humor. His wonderful humor with his beautiful voice and the Chapman stick, a 12-stringed electronic instrument that is tapped with both hands like a piano. Just take a look at it. It's wonderful. Nathan, I welcome you. Thank you. Thank you, Jill, and good morning, everyone. It's always a pleasure to be with you. I'm going to start this morning with a song of mine uh, in, uh, in honoring Reverend Savannah's uh, talk this morning. We have some great songs about journeying, and so here's the first one. This is Little by Little. Little by little, bit by bit, I'm getting to the heart of things. Little by little, love is guiding me home. With every step along this path, I feel a little lighter. With every lesson that I learn, I burn a little brighter. shining through. Thank you so much. It is my pleasure 
to introduce our guest speaker today. Oh my, one of my absolute favorites, Reverend Savannah Riker. Reverend Savannah Noel Riker has served as a staff minister in spiritual communities since 2014. She started her spiritual path at the age of 16 in Denver, Colorado, became a spiritual counselor in 2010, and is one of the youngest ordained ministers in Centers for Spiritual Living. With an extensive background in youth leadership, global outreach, facilitation, and speaking, Savannah has served on a diverse array of councils and committees over 15 years and has spoken at events in London, Vancouver, and Cairo. She completed her master's degree in consciousness studies while living in Egypt in 2012 during the revolution for eight months. How exciting. And she was, as she was pursuing her passion for global ministry. You may have seen her face on the cover of the February 2015 edition of the Science of Mind magazine where her article, The Sacred Admits the Shadow, was featured. She continues to lead retreats, teach, and speak in communities throughout the U.S. and the world. Savannah resides in Seattle, Washington, and is an assistant minister at Amazing Grace Spiritual Center. Please join me in welcoming Reverend Savannah Riker. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much. I haven't heard a bio in a long time. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so good to be with you all. Again, I love this community. Uh, it's like your hearts leap right through uh, the screen here. And uh, I really love the container that's been uh, set up for me. It makes uh, this talk and this journey, which is the topic for today, the appreciation of the journey, not so much where we're going, but the part of uh, us getting there, right? So what I'd like to do first is just take a holy breath. Let us just take a moment. <sighs> You're here. You're on Zoom. There's nowhere else you have to be right now. And I'm reminded that in the midst of uncertainty and challenge, we are always given the opportunity to come back to ourselves, to come back to spirit, to life, to um, God. And that happens sometimes in small ways, in large ways. Sometimes it's uh, these ordinary moments of our lives that uh, remind us that we are alive. I have to remind myself sometimes that the moment that I think that I have mastered something, the moment I think, well, I got that down, I figured it out, life is always calling me back into the mystery. I'm sure you have found in your own life that uh, something uh, needs to be learned, like that layer of that onion continues to be uh, taken apart for you to discover something more about yourselves. And what I know is that you're going through this experience right now, right, in your own community of change, of unknown and uncertainty. And I wanted to talk about the journey itself. We sometimes bypass it. Uh, we are so quick to get to the end result and attach to the outcome, uh, to the joy that we're wanting at the end or um, it could be uh, the security, or I will be happy when I finally have the thing that we forget to pay attention to the path that got us there. 
that is currently shaping our experiences and our human complexity. I almost think it was kind of fitting that Jill read the whole bio <laughs> because it's a reminder to me like, oh my gosh, where have I come from? And there's still so much more yet to be done. There is this book out there. You might've heard of it. It's one of my favorites. It's, uh, back, it's by Jack Cornfield and it's called After the Ecstasy, The Laundry. And he says that enlightenment truly does exist. He says, unbounded freedom and joy, uh, oneness with the divine. These experiences are actually more common than we know, and they're not that far away. But even after we achieve such realization of our connection with life, after the ecstasy, we are faced with the everyday tasks of translating that freedom into our imperfect lives. He says, we are faced with the laundry, right? It's a really beautiful metaphor. Appreciating the journey has a few components in it that I wanna offer you today. And the first one is all about removing our armor. It is removing our armor, those scales of the body. I'm gonna tell you this traditional Swedish story that I really love about a young princess named Aris. And she was betrothed to marry a fearful dragon. And when the king and the queen tell her this, she becomes extremely frightened for her life, naturally. And she goes beyond uh, the kingdom, the castle where she is, to the market to see a wise woman who has raised 12 children and 29 grandchildren of her own and knows the ways of dragons and men. And so the wise woman tells Aris that she indeed must marry the dragon, but that there are proper ways to approach him. So she gives Aris instructions for their wedding night. And she says, you must wear 10 beautiful gowns, one on top of the other. And then the wedding takes place. A feast is held in the palace, after which the dragon carries her off to his bedchamber. Don't worry, I'm keeping this PG-13. And he carries her off to the bedchamber. And when the dragon advances towards her, she stops him saying, that she must carefully remove her wedding attire before offering her heart to him. And he too, she says, instructed by this wise woman, must uh, properly remove his attire. And so the dragon agrees. She says, as I take off a layer, you must remove a layer. Now, when I, I have to admit, when I was first uh, listening and reading this, I thought, that sounds like a uh, truth or dare game, doesn't it? <laughs> It's like, you remove a layer, I remove a layer, but no, we're not, we're not going there this time. So after she takes the first gown off, the princess watches as the dragon sheds his outer layer of his scaly armor. And though it is painful for him, the dragon has done this periodically before, but then the princess removes another and then another. And each time the dragon finds that he too must claw off a deeper layer of his scales. And so by the fifth gown, the dragon begins to weep copious tears at the pain. And yet they continue this process. And with each successive layer, the dragon's skin becomes more tender 
and his form starts to soften. He becomes lighter and lighter. And when the princess removes her 10th gown, the dragon releases the last vestige of uh, form and he emerges as a man, a fine prince whose eyes sparkle like a child's released at, at least from this ancient spell of his dragon form. What I recognize in this story and why I'm telling it, why I think it's so beautiful is because each one of the figures in this story can be found within us, within our own lives. You see the journey is not about always going into the light. It's not always about the light. The path to inner freedom requires that we pass sometimes through the forces of our human history uh, and, and all the ways that we have entangled ourselves throughout history. It's about seeing that the light is always there. Receiving grace and becoming illumined is sometimes a difficult uh, cleansing process. It's a difficult purification. Uh, it's letting go, right? It's letting go of stuff that we have been so held onto in its current form. Suzuki Roshi described this as general house cleaning of the mind. It is difficult for us a lot of the time to take off those scales, to take off the armor, to dive deep into that ocean of tears. And yet it is the most rewarding in that we find that there are always some expected pearls on the way. We know this from COVID. You know, we know there were unexpected gifts that we, we could not have seen being in the midst of such a difficult time. And so it's important that we offer our tender heart to one another, that we remember uh, our humanness, that uh, we offer that tender heart as an essential part of uh, the path because it's courageous to hold love for our hardest pain, for our deepest sorrows and our greatest fears. That I think I know from my own life is where I have learned to trust and to surrender the most. The pandemic I think has also taught us about the word judgment. I don't use that word very often, but it, it, uh, I noticed it coming up a little bit more during uh, the chaos that we were experiencing. And you know, the pandemic also taught us about resilience and sorrow and uncertainty and forgiveness and how we react versus respond to our basic survival tendencies when we feel threatened, when we think we are in lack, when we think that our good is not available to us. I give thanks for all of that because it reveals to me the contrast that I need for my humanness. I don't want everything to be light all the time. You know, where's the learning then in that? I think we also have to remember that the weeks of the pain and the struggle that went before, the many years of practice that get to follow. So when we open up to that divine spark within us, to the illumination of life, to God, even if we know that the prince and the princess are going to awaken, they're going to succeed in their awakening, we cannot just go to the last page of the story and the living happily ever after. We do teach that consciousness, that, that uh, happiness is a state of 
consciousness and that we can feel it and choose it in the moment. And so I'm not saying that we have to struggle and go through pain only to get the happy ending. But oftentimes on the journey, we have to go through the great fear of marrying the dragon, of seeking wise counsel, of the long process of releasing painful habits and, and uh, ways of being that no longer serve us, that we have clung to because I couldn't appreciate where I've come from if I hadn't gone through that journey of becoming. And so this is the hero's or the heroine's journey. This is the human experience. It's all part of appreciating the journey that we're on. The second thing I want us to, to, to remind us about this is that there may be unexpected gifts along the way, and there often are. So can you pay attention and be more mindful in this time of transition, the gift in this process for all of us? What are you learning as you navigate this phase of your life currently? So when you step back for a moment, what are you being asked to become in your life? Um, in this phase? What is this phase of your life all about? What qualities of life are you wanting to bring more into this phase? Is it patience? Is it acceptance? Is it joy? Is it compassion? Or maybe more gentleness with yourself? Maybe it's clarity of purpose. Throughout this entire pandemic and the change in you know, staffing that I know I've been going through myself, um, how we've learned to meet together in spiritual community, I've had to remind myself, and I offer this to you too, that there will be unexpected gifts in the sorrow, in the change from all of this, even when I can't see it, even when you cannot see it just yet. Because that, I think, is the part of building that resilience and that faith muscle of trusting and knowing that we are never separate from our good. We are never separate from our good because our good is everything. Our good is God. And if God is part of me and I am part of it, then good is always revealing itself. Ernest Holmes said this when he said, I exist in limitless possibility. I exist in limitless possibility. The third thing I want you to know is that the journey is, I think the journey of life is, is about awakening. It's about becoming more conscious. It's about returning back to ourselves moment by moment when we forget who we are. It's about blessing all of it, even the mess. Blessing the mess, all of that. It's about uh, softening, softening and letting go of that contraction. You can tell when you're contracted, you know, you just, Ah, settle in, calm your, your nervous system, breathing more deeply, just witnessing what's coming um, up for you and what's happening for you. I think that this time we're in right now, I often use the term initiation. I think that the whole planet is uh, in a process of initiation. We are constantly traveling through that, uh, what, I, what I think of is that visual of, um, the formations, the rock formations in Utah that are so incredible. We are constantly traveling through that narrow rocky passageway in the cave, experiencing a rebirth into our new self 
So we're shedding our skin of the old life. And oftentimes what happens in that when we're going through an initiation is that rapid change occurs, which is what we're seeing right now everywhere with the climate, with uh, politics, with the world's uh, dynamics. You know, everything is quickening. And I'm looking at it as a spiritual rites of passage. You know, it is information. It is initiating us into a greater expression of who we are to become in order to uh, uh, awaken humanity, right? One of my favorite poets is uh, Rilke and Rilke puts it this way. You see, I want a lot. Perhaps I want everything. The darkness that comes with every infinite fall and the shivering blaze of every step up. So many live on and want nothing and are raised to the rank of prince by the slippery ease of their light judgments. But what you love to see are faces that do the work and feel thirst. You have not grown old and it is not too late to dive into your increasing depths where life calmly gives out its own secret. So we get to say to life, ready or not, <laughs> here I am. And how will you life use me today for the service of others? That is the path that I wanna follow. Follow that path. How might you use me today, God, life, spirit? How might you use me today in service to others? Back in September, I lost uh, a lot of people in my life very tragically and unexpectedly. And I didn't quite know how to handle the grief as it was coming. And it really put in perspective, as, as death often can do, um, my desire to fulfill my purpose in an even greater way. And wanting to leave a legacy wanting to leave the planet better than when I have occupied it. So I wanna ask you these questions and you might write them down or just sit with them as, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want this uh, spiritual community that you have right now? What do you want its legacy to be? What is the thing or the, or the things that it provides for the world? Oprah Winfrey was speaking recently about life's truest questions that we must ask ourselves. And here's something she said I thought was really poignant. She says, most people wait to assess their legacy until their second or third act of life, when there's time to sit back and reflect. But what if right now you began to structure your decisions based on how you want to be remembered rather than on what you believe you still need to accomplish? What I'm suggesting is that you don't wait until you're sitting on your porch in your rocking chair to evaluate the character of your actions. You ask yourself today in the middle of your complicated, demanding, chaotic life, what do I want my legacy to be? And then you start living from that intention. As Maya Angelou said, when you know, teach. When you get, give. And so appreciating the journey, that's what it's all about. I'm gonna close with this quote and then I will go into a prayer. This quote is by Henry David Thoreau. 
He said, the millions are awake enough for physical labor, but only one in a million is awake enough for effective intellectual exertion. Only one in a hundred million to a poetic or divine life. To be awake is to be alive. We must learn to reawaken and keep ourselves awake, not by mechanical aids, but by an infinite expectation of the dawn. So the dawn will always, it's always coming. <laughs> the light is always there. So let us go into a prayer now. Just taking that breath in, giving so much gratitude and thanks for the power of this moment, for the breath, for the fact that we are alive, that we are here, that we are connected that we are forever and ever connected to this life force, this wisdom and this intelligence that put all the stars in the sky and the cosmos. This universal intelligence that is informing us all the time in every moment, that is allowing us to, to learn and to navigate life into what it is that we are becoming. And so what I affirm and know and declare for each and every one of us on this call and all of those watching, is that there is this divine spark that lives within each and every one of us. And it is calling us to a deeper place. It is calling us to awaken, to awaken to the truth of who we are, to awaken to our magnificence, to awaken to that dream, to that gift that is seeking to express more of itself as your very life. And it is needed at this time on this planet. And so we, we lean in to our discomfort or any of the ways in which we have held on tightly to the outcomes that we seek. And we let go, we let go and surrender to the power of the moment, to the mystery. For I know that infinite possibilities happen when we embrace and surrender to the unknown. I know that this community is blessed and I know that each and every one of us are a blessing. We are always connected to that life force, that power, that presence, the good that is seeking more of itself right here and now. And so I call this forth for all of us. And I know that today is a beautiful day and that all is truly well. I know this to be true. And so together we say, Ashe, Namaste. And so it is. Amen. So now is our time for the offertory. We create sacred opportunities for personal empowerment and collective transformation through wholehearted experiences of truth and spirit. If you were inspired by today's music and message, what a wonderful message and beautiful music we had today. Don't you agree? As well as our weekly and monthly programs, we gratefully receive your gift, tithe and offering. There are three ways to know, donate. Visit our website, csl-whiterock.com, mail us a check, or send us an e-transfer. And that information is in the chat. So maybe you'd like to join me now with our prosperity affirmation. Divine love within blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive, and so it is. <laughs> 